we know that relevance is just fundamental. It's so important for adult learners in general. It's one of those core principles of andragogy that Malcolm Knowles pointed to, and that relevance applies to communities in spades. I'm Salisa Steele. I'm Jeff Cobb, and this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Welcome to episode 347 of the Leading Learning Podcast. This episode focuses on community, specifically learning communities. And we want to talk about both why they're important to learning businesses and how to go about making sure your community enhances and supports learning. Now, it can be all too easy for learning businesses to to focus on more traditional offerings, things that... uh, We tend to identify more with learning or with education, things like courses and and conferences. But there are at least a couple of issues with that narrow sort of focus. First, there's more competition than ever on the content side. Learners have more choices than ever about where to go to find information and where to enroll in a course on topic X. Another issue is that sometimes people don't know what they don't know. So searching for a course on topic X isn't a possibility. But if they can see that your learning business focuses on their field or profession or industry, and they can see that you can connect them with others in that field, profession, or industry, then they can see that you can help them get savvier and smarter, even if they don't yet know what specific topics and skills and knowledge they need. A third issue, of course, is that people just don't want to take courses all the time. In fact, I think probably nobody wakes up in the morning saying, <laughs> gee, I, I want to take a course today. So if, if you only offer courses and conferences, once they complete those, they're probably going to move on if you don't have a way to provide ongoing connection and value. And That's exactly what a learning community can make possible. So let's dig in and talk about what community is. It's important to take the time to define community to to make sure we're on the same page here. And to define community, we'll start by saying what it isn't. Community isn't simply having members. Community isn't just having discussion forums or listservs. Community isn't having followers on social media And community isn't having a good email list, even one with a great open rate and great click rates. And so maybe we should talk a little bit about why those things aren't necessarily community. And one reason is that they're often broadcast approaches. They're sort of one-way streets where it's you as a learning business sending out your message to the learners, and there's really not a back and forth. Community isn't usually centralized. It really is more of the, not even two-way street. It's really all sorts of one-to-one connections, you know, different learners going to different learners. And it's much more of a, a network rather than that broadcast and sort of central hub sort of design. Right. I think there's a, often even a touch of chaos to a, to a really good community as all those connections are, are flowing all over the place. And, you know, and it's tempting to think that you have something like a discussion forum or, or a listserv, it's set up, it's all nice and structured. You've got the technology in place that could support a community, but that in and of itself will not make the community. Of, of course, it's good to have discussion forums. Of course, you probably need some form of membership to, to bring people into the community. Of course, email is helpful. All of these can be 
part of what goes into building a vibrant community, but they in and of themselves are not community. And so if, you know, we sort of just talked about what a community isn't, it isn't just these sort of tools and having these things in place like an email list or like discussion forums or listservs. But if we want to talk about what community is, I will draw on a definition from Merriam-Webster where it talks about community being a unified body of individuals. And then there are a bunch of different sub-definitions which all get into, okay, what is it that unifies that body of individuals? It could be a shared geography. So you can you know, think about a a community in the sense of sort of a neighborhood or a, a city or a town. It could also be a body of individuals unified by an identity. You know, so maybe it's immigrants or maybe it's, you know, third generation people in a community. It could be that they're unified by an interest. Um, you know, so maybe it's people who love uh, singer-songwriters and, you know, they get together around that. Or it could be, of course, around a profession or maybe even more specifically around a problem or a challenge. Yeah, there definitely has to be that unifying element, that that thing that everybody is is focused on is sort of a what we've referred to before as kind of a social learning object. I mean, that object doesn't have to be literally an object. It can be that sense of identity and and sort of the the, the topics and the things that you're likely to, to talk about and have interactions about by being part of a community organized around that unifying principle. And and I think it's important that a community is, is something much more than, than transactional. With membership organizations, you often talk about people who are checkbook members, you know, so they're just writing the check every year so they can be on the membership roster. It's just sort of part of what they do. But you can't really say that, you know, those people are participating in the community. And, and if all the people you're bringing together are interacting in that way, that's entirely transactional. You don't really have a community going on. With a real community People feel it. They they know it. They know they're a part of that community. There's an emotional connection when you're in a community. It's really that sense of fellowship that, that goes with a community. And we're really talking today about one specific kind of community. We're talking about learning community. And that means that one of the things that unites the individuals in that community is the desire to learn and to help others learn. So if you're going to probably layer some other sort of connection on top of that, but that would be at the core of all learning communities is that desire to learn, help others learn, make progress yourself. So maybe let's talk about, you know, why learning communities are valuable to learning businesses. That's sort of the premise we're operating on here is that there's a reason to do this. There's value to be created and that value is usually multifaceted. So there, there are multiple reasons to try to, to build and, and to grow a vibrant community. Now, one of those is that communities are really hard to replicate. I mean, if you've got a strong community with that unifying principle, people feel an emotional attachment to it. It's gone way beyond transactional to really being about relationships in that community. That's very hard for anybody else to replicate. It's very hard for any competitor to replicate. So it's therefore a potential huge strategic differentiator. You know, if you're out there talking about those traditional ways of providing learning and education, say courses and conferences and things like that, you've probably got competition on that. There are a lot of people that can go out and stand up a, a, an event or put together a course, put those into the marketplace and you're competing head to head on that. That often gets very um, transactional, but you infuse that community element which 
we'll probably talk about this some, I mean, community is not easy to make that happen, to get that, you know, unifying principle there, to get people emotionally engaged. You know, if you've got that as sort of the context for your courses and, and for your events that, you know, that bring people to those courses and events and give them someplace to go after those courses and events, that's a big differentiator. So I think that's, that's reason one we'll talk about uh, in terms of the value that uh, learning communities can create for learning businesses. And of course, that is value that you're creating for your learners. A second reason is that learning communities tap into the human desire, actually probably even the human need for connection and interaction with others. And we've talked in multiple episodes recently, Jeff, about the fact that the COVID-19 pandemic really sort of heightened, you know, this desire for mm -hmm. social. There's been some pent up demand for social interactions because for a time period it wasn't safe or allowed to gather in person. But then I was realizing just last night that really this idea of having this hunger for social connection has really been around for, for longer than that. Vivek Murthy has talked about loneliness as an epidemic in this country. And, you know, that predates uh, COVID-19, certainly. And, you know, Robert Putnam, the bowling alone, I can't remember what year that came out, but again, definitely pre-pandemic. So this idea that we're becoming more and more withdrawn, we're doing more on our own, and yet we still have this internal innate need to connect with others. And so if you can provide a learning community, then that's going to help satisfy this desire that that humans have. Yeah. And so, right. I mean, it's been there for a long time. I mean, with the rise of technology, the internet, the web, social media, social media, which is supposed to, you know, make us more connected is one of those things that's uh, often making people feel more isolated. But of course, this even predates that. I mean, there is just a human desire to connect with other human beings and, and have that strong sense of community. So that would be a, a second big reason. A, a third one is that if you're leveraging community effectively, you're really tapping into an effective way to support learning. We talk a lot about learning not being an event. Learning is a process. It, it happens over time. It requires engagement and, and re-engagement repeatedly. And if you have a community where people can, you know, come in and, and, and get the, the the support that they need at the times that they need it, where they're going to be reminded of, you know, what their goals were and what they were trying to achieve, um, where they're going to be able to get answers to, to questions, that's going to support that learning on an ongoing basis, um, support learning as a process. And of course, within the context of a community, you have the ability to put mechanisms in place that help to support accountability. Sometimes community members will do this for themselves, but uh, that's something you can build into the community. For example, yearly, I participate in a, um, a songwriting community, um, February Album Writing Month. This is, you know, the whole idea for the February Album Writing Month is you're supposed to write an album worth of songs during the month of February. And it makes a tremendous difference to have thousands of other people in this community who are all hyped up and passionate about it and are issuing challenges to each other and holding people accountable for their challenges. Um, so it's a very vibrant atmosphere. You know, by the time you've finished that, you are going to be a better songwriter because um, you've been challenged and you've been held accountable and you've been practicing. And that's another aspect of community. It can help so much with applying things to life and work, you know, because in that instance, People are hands-on, you know, trying to do what they have set out to do, which is write songs, and they're doing it, and they're getting feedback from each other, and they're sharing, you know, what they're doing. We, everything we know about learning says that's a great thing um, for learning. And then also as part of that, 
you know, community is really kind of the, uh, this may be the wrong way to put it, but sort of the cheap form of personalization. I mean, you don't have to have, you know, artificial intelligence and algorithms and everything else. You have actual people supporting e each other and you're able to come to that community with your particular needs and say, this is what I'm trying to achieve and get feedback from other people and, and, and shape yourself and help others shape themselves and grow over time through the interaction that just naturally occurs in human community. So you're getting all of that um, as part of having uh, an effective community in place. As someone who listens to the Leading Learning Podcast, you should know about the Leading Learning Newsletter, which you can subscribe to at leadinglearning.com inbox. The newsletter is inbox intelligence for learning businesses and helps you understand the latest technology, marketing, and learning trends and grow your learning business. Best of all, it's a free resource. As a subscriber, you get leading links, our monthly curated collection of resources to help you grow the reach, revenue, and impact of your learning business. The Podcast Digest, a monthly summary of podcast episodes released during the previous month, plus periodic announcements highlighting leading learning webinars and other educational opportunities designed to benefit learning business professionals. Subscribe for free at leadinglearning.com inbox. And if you're already subscribed, point a colleague to leadinglearning.com inbox. A fourth benefit or potential value to a community is just that it can really fit nicely with the demands and realities of modern life and work. Again, COVID definitely sort of ramped up the upheaval, but we've been living in a time of upheaval even before the pandemic where we are seeing that we're living longer, we're changing jobs more often, not just changing jobs more often, we're changing careers more often. And all of that can mean that it's much harder to know what you need to know. And then even if you can figure out what you need to know, it can still be hard to find very specific content. I remember talking with Jen Louie for the podcast, and she shared that during COVID, the School Nutrition Association really had to sort of stop what they were doing and really think about how could they best support their members. I mean, they went from having members that were feeding kids at physical school locations who, because of the, the pandemic, still had to feed those kids. But suddenly those schools were closed. There's, you know, all the health risks going on with it. So they really just kind of had to pivot and listen to their members. They turned to their community and heard from them, you know, what are the challenges they're facing? What are they trying? And they really just sort of shone the light on, uh, on the community and what each different schools, the different members were doing and sharing that with one another. Yeah. And I think, you know, th this has always been a human need. And I think it's one of the upsides of what technology has now made possible because technology can be isolating in, in, in many ways, um, but in other ways, it's making it possible to have these forms of communication and connection and coordination and collaboration and, you know, all of that great stuff that can really help us to learn what we need to learn and and solve problems. So, you know, being able to, to bring technology into our modern life and work um, to help us support the role that community can play, which is a big one in uh, the world we live in right now. So that was number four. The, the fifth one we'll mention, and this is, you know, hardly the exhaustive list of, of community benefits and, and value, but it's where we'll stop today. And this is um, market insight. A community can provide a view into what's on the minds of your learners that it's, that it's hard to get otherwise. 
engaging with them in a community, being able to, to be there and to observe and to interact, you're going to be able to answer some of those big questions like, what are they struggling with? You know, what's keeping them up at night? You're going to see that emerge from the types of interactions and conversations that will occur in a community. And then, of course, you can use that insight to improve whether it's your existing courses or events or, or other products to create new ones. And of course, you can use it to help improve the community itself by bringing in new elements of it. You know, when I wrote Leading the Learning Revolution a, a while back, I mentioned that Ned Campbell, who at the time was at the Florida Institute of CPAs, basically was just listening in on what was going on on their listservs there and participating and hearing what people were talking about. And the, the, the sort of the first time it hit him was he saw this conversation bubble up around what are called comfort letters in the uh, accounting world. I don't even think I'll try to uh, define anymore what comfort letters means. You can, you can get the book and read it if you want. But he saw that this was an emerging topic. It was something that was very, very important to the audience. So he went out and, and created a webinar on it. And I think it was in this case, a webinar he actually charged for. I can't remember, but in any case, he got a huge number of people coming to this webinar at a time when a lot of people were struggling to get people to come to their webinars. And then he started using this again and again, just really tuning in, paying attention to what people were, were telling him really that they needed, even though they weren't directly saying, hey, Ned, make me a webinar on comfort letters. He was you know, smart enough to, to read the tea leaves, so to speak. And it reminds me, you know, Seth, Godin, um, I've quoted him on, on this before. One of the things he'll say is it's harder to find people for your products than products for your people. So it's the whole, you know, you don't want to just build it and hope they'll come. It's great if they've come first and then you hear what they have to say and you build it for them. You're so much more likely to have a winner if you do things that way. So communities can be very, very powerful for market insight. So that was five reasons that we think it might make sense for you to really consider community and the value that it can add to your learning business. As you said, Jeff, not at all a comprehensive list, but these are just five really high value points that a learning community could help you achieve. And so hopefully you're convinced of the value you're seeing, a potential in at least one of those things that we mentioned. And assuming you do, then of course the next piece is, how do you go about building a community? Or maybe even remaking a community. We know that, you know, lots of learning businesses, especially those embedded in trade and professional associations, have discussion forums already, for example. And so, you know, your organization may be thinking it already has a learning community, but you have to step back and ask, do we really? And even if we sort of do, are we getting anywhere near the level of value out of it that we could? Are we creating anywhere near the level of value out of it that we could? As we, as we mentioned earlier, you know, just having members or, or having, you know, listservs and discussion forums, that alone is, is not going to make a community. Right. And one of the key characteristics of a true community is intentionality. So you as a learning business need to be clear internally, and then you need to be clear with those in the community about why this community exists. That is essentially the community's identity. And we talked earlier about a community being people bound by something. And so that's what you have to be really crystal clear on. And as part of being clear, though, you're going to have to kind of balance being broad enough to appeal to a critical mass and balance that with being specific enough for individuals to really believe that your community offers something unique and something of value. And so you, your intentionality is going to be reflected in the community's identity. 
I think that tension between you know, being broad enough to reach a critical volume of people to participate in the community, but then being specific enough to get them really engaged, that's at the heart of a lot of the challenges that, that people creating communities face. And oftentimes you're going to have to, just like you have to with your broader market, really think about the, the segments within your communities, the sub-communities that you may need to form to help get to the specificity that's needed within that broader contact. So, you know, you might have sub-communities with your community that are specifically for people who are, are new to the profession or, or new to whatever you're doing with them. There may be sub-communities that are for people in, in specific types of uh, leadership roles or those aspiring to leadership roles. A lot of possibilities around this, but the, the point is you, you really have to look at where is the specificity that's going to drive demand that's going to pull people deeper into the community? What can you reasonably support? What can you provide value around? And I mean, all of this really comes down to relevance. How are you being as relevant as possible for your community members? We know that relevance is just fundamental. It's so important for adult learners in general. It's one of those core principles of andragogy that Malcolm Knowles pointed to. And that relevance applies to communities in spades. You, you have to make sure you're really getting at it. And you know, that, that sounds like a, a no-brainer, but it's often not easy to, to figure out. Again, this is one of the key challenge areas around communities, and it can require a certain amount of, of trial and error to learn what's truly relevant to your audience broadly, and then, you know, what's going to be relevant more narrowly with specific subgroups of, of your audience to get them more deeply involved and, and to make it worthwhile for them to participate in a community and and. You know, the other thing about relevance, too, is it's, it's not one and done. This takes repetition. You have to continually be there, be engaged, be watching. It takes that exposure for the people in the community to realize that you really have relevant stuff out there because you're continually putting it in front of them. And it takes repetition for you to continually be in the community and see what the relevant areas are that you need to be responding to. So relevance is really important. Facilitation is another really important aspect of community. You know, you can't just kind of put content out there, the, you know, sort of build it, they're going to come thing. You really have to be highlighting different pieces of content and the value that you're providing in the community. And on top of that, you also need to be connecting specific people with specific content, hopefully you're going to have facilitators who really know something about the people who are in that community and can help point them to what they're going to value, what they need that exists in the community. Also, hopefully you're going to connect individuals with one another. So you might know that, you know, Joe is an expert in a particular area and you know that Rashida needs information in that area as well. You want to make sure to connect those two people together and just as you were saying, Jeff, that, you know, this is not one and done. Facilitation is not one and done. You can't do it once and, you know, or kind of have it too rote. You know, we're going to post a, a question every day and just expect that to suffice as facilitation. It really is going to have to be much more natural 
and customized and personalized to that community so that you really are helping people to notice and take advantage of the value that exists in the community and then to add to that value that exists in the community. I think about The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. He talks about different types of people. Connectors are one of those types of people. And this is where you definitely need good connectors in your community so that they are helping individuals to connect and begin to develop relationships that are deeper than what they had when they entered into the community. And also keep in mind that the the relevant, valuable content that you highlight, a lot of that can come from the community. You can highlight individual successes, point out questions they're asking. In general, content about the community is is valuable content. I think Richard Millington has said something along those lines in in one of our interviews with him. And, And so true. I mean, human beings like to to hear about themselves and the community. So keeping that in mind as you are facilitating. And I think too that a role of facilitators should be to reward the behavior that you want. So when you get individuals in your community posting and sharing and uh, connecting with others, again, you want to use your spotlight to, to point out that kind of behavior so that then you can hopefully get others in the community to begin acting similarly That way you're going to get a much more organic, self-sustaining community over time. Up front, you're probably going to have to do a lot of facilitation, a lot of work to provide a lot of the content. But what you really want to get to is a self-sustaining community where most of the resources to keep it going exist in the community. So having that self-sustaining community kind of is the the holy grail, I guess, of community to really have people supporting each other. And sort of a flywheel type effect. But of course, everything we're talking about has required quite a bit of work. We've we've talked about a lot of things you're going to have to do to establish relevance, to to facilitate, to to keep people connected, to identify those needs in the community. It's also going to generate a tremendous amount of value if it is successful. So you got that combination of, of work and value. A natural question is around revenue. Should you be charging for this? I think the the answer probably is. It depends. depends. (laughs) Yeah, I think a lot is going to get back to what your mission is as an organization and what your goal is with the learning community itself. There are multiple ways, of course, to charge. I mean, you could bake it into something else that you're already offering. In the case of membership organizations, access to the community could be part of what your membership gets you. You could choose to bundle access to the community um, with some other products. So for example, you know, you're going to get this three-month-long course, and with it, you're going to get access to a community of peers. So baked in with membership, bundled with something like a course purchase, or of course, you could just have a direct pay. You want to be part of this community, it's going to cost you $9.99 a year or whatever your, your price point is. And I think that bundling with a course option, um, you know, points out something we haven't talked about. I mean, a community doesn't necessarily have to last forever. There can be short-term communities that are that are powerful, that, you know, serve a purpose for a, a point in time, take advantage of everything around community, but maybe you're not planning on running it for, you know, the next 10 or 15 or 20 years. It's just going to be for the three, six, 12 months around a course experience, completely valid. Of course, everything we've said about relevance and connection and facilitation, identity, all of those things still apply if you want that to work. And of course, the community could be 
a free offering. That might be where you land. Uh, in that case, you know, it could be in sort of the same camp as your content marketing. This is just, in this case, it's more of a, a crowdsourced content marketing approach where you're bringing in people. You're going to kind of let anyone into the community who fits whatever criteria, you know, you've established, you've, you've identified the identity of the community and people who go, yeah, that's me. You're going to let them be part of it. And then hopefully they're going to come to see the value, the expertise that you and others in the community have. And then they're going to, when they need to buy something, when they need education, when they need a conference to attend or, or, or a course, they're going to look to you. So you could take that approach, of course. You can, and you may, you know, do that indefinitely, or it may be that you start out free and eventually you do convert into uh, having a paid community. And that's something, you know, if you already have a community now and don't charge directly for it, something you may want to be thinking about. That can be a difficult transition to, to make, but I have seen people make it. I, I'm involved in a community right now where that happened. It started out free, switched to paid, Lost a lot of the, the community members at the point that that transition happened, but built back up and is actually, I think, a much better community now because the people who are there who have paid something to be a part of it are much more invested in it. So something to have in mind around your community offerings. Of course, we are always big believers in charging appropriately for the value you create. So if you are creating a significant amount of value through community and like a good, true community is going to do that. Make sure that's showing up somewhere in the stream of revenues for your learning business. So that's our look at community. What one is, the value they can bring to learning businesses and learners, and how you might create or reinvigorate your own community. At leadinglearning.com slash episode 347, you'll find show notes, a full transcript, and resources related to community. You'll also find options for subscribing to the podcast. And if you haven't yet, please do subscribe. Yes, please do, as those subscription numbers give us some visibility into the impact of the podcast and our success in using the podcast to create and sustain community. We'd also be grateful if you would take a minute to rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, especially if you enjoy the show. Salise and I personally appreciate reviews and ratings, and they help the podcast show up when people search for content on leading a learning business. Lastly, please spread the word about leading learning. You can do that in a one-on-one -on -one note or conversation with a colleague, or you can do it through social media. In the show notes at leadinglearning.com slash episode 347, you'll find links to connect with us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Thanks again, and see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.